Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Balls and Whistles, a Highland news and media podcast looking at everything that's been going on in sport across the Highlands. I'm Andrew Henderson. If you've listened to us before, welcome back. This is your first time. Welcome to the show. As always, I'm joined by sports editor Will Clark. How are you doing, Will? I'm not bad. What a week for sport, Hendo. Yeah. It's, it's been a busy one, if only because we've had midweek matches for County and Cali Thistle. <laughs> Unfortunately, not positive results anyway for either team. You were at um, Ross County um, after such a promising result against Aberdeen. It's gone into free fall a wee bit. Or is that a fair term to say? Um, you know what? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at at the minute. I don't think it's fair to judge them against Rangers. I mean, Rangers are just a different class this season. 5-0, they missed a penalty. It could have been more, but they could do that against anybody else in the league. The Motherwell result on Wednesday night was a gutting one for them. Um, you could see afterwards... John Hughes was a bit more reserved, I think, than he normally would be in his post-match press. And the manner of it as well, being 1-0 up fairly early on, and then that turning around completely for the first time this season for Motherwell that they've come from behind to get any sort of result. It's a proper kick in the teeth for them. It just wasn't that great of a game. Neither side really played brilliantly, but Motherwell were the ones that took their chances. So... I don't know. Kenny's just a strange one. I mean, to go and put in the performance they did against Aberdeen and the same against Hibbs a few weeks beforehand and then put that sort of performance in against Motherwell, you just don't know what you're going to get from them. We've talked about, I think, before, but consistency is the key thing for them right now, isn't it? It is. And like you said, Rangers was a bit of a free hit. Yes, they got a 5-0 doing. But, you know, show me teams that haven't conceded four or five um, against Rangers or how much was it Hamilton let in was it eight yeah something stupid like that that's by the by anyway but yeah I think Wednesday night was Ross County's chance to kind of pull away from the bottom two um, I think it was only one point but still you know a four point gap even if Mullerwell had two games in hand that would have made such a big difference and all the pressure was on them I saw your updates on Twitter during the game and Half time, one nil up. I thought if they could keep playing the way they are, um, they can maybe get a second and a third like they did against Aberdeen. But it sounds like you said they just didn't show up, and that's really disappointing. Yeah, I mean the goal that they scored, Ollie Shaw's goal. To be fair, it was all down to Jermaine Hilton, but it was a brilliant bit of play from Hilton. That was just the only spark really in the match for them, and. Again, Hughes kind of alluded to after the match, if they'd managed to hold on for another five or ten minutes in the second half past when they actually conceded, it could have been a totally different story because they would have settled down. They could have gone again, basically, and, and had a second win. But to concede five minutes into the second half, it was only ever going to be one-way traffic from there, unfortunately. And yeah, the games in hand, I think, for me, are, are the biggest thing. If Kenny had gone four points ahead... Even if Motherwell and Hamilton had won their games in hand, they'd still be right in the mix. There wouldn't be that much between those bottom teams. Now, they're two points behind Motherwell. So if Motherwell win both of those games in hand, they're out of sight, basically. Um, and that's really the difference in mentality and how County are going to approach this. 
it's a gutting one for them and they're going to have to sit and lick their wounds over the next few days because they don't have a match this weekend and that's probably not a good thing for them either. They'd have liked another match just a couple of days' time to get out of their system, but they have to sit and, and properly think about where they are on the table. That kind of makes me sound like an angry parent, but you know they have to sit and think about what they've done so far this season and how they can change it. Certainly ramps up the pressure for the game against Hamilton next Wednesday. Um, they lose their bottom. Yeah. Simple as that. With Hamilton having games in hand, and that's certainly a position they don't want to be in, especially if their forms are turning to what it was, because I can see Mullerwell pulling away now with the new manager bounce. And I'm looking at other teams above them. Um, St Mirren, maybe a team that you would have associated being relegation um, fodder. They beat Dundee United 5-1. What a result for that. Where did that come from? That was incredible. I bet the one thing that Ross County should have faith in is the fact is they are playing Hamilton, who are bottom of the league at the moment, and then they play Dungeon United after that, which is now a team low in confidence if you concede five goals against St Mirren. But yeah, Mullerwell on Wednesday night was a bit of a blow. I thought they would have at least got a point. So for Mullerwell to leave Dingwall with all three points, I can understand why John Hughes might have been a bit low after the game, which he's not usually is, is he? No, it's usually a great laugh, to be honest, but he wasn't in that sort of mood after the game on Wednesday. I think it's important. We're both being quite doom and gloom about Ross County after this week and with the results, but you look at the fixture list and before this week, going into the Motherwell game, they had the entire Mm -hmm. bottom half to play and then Celtic and Hibs. The fixture list has been fairly kind to them. It's kind of similar to the run of games they were supposed to have at the end of last season that we never actually got Mm -hmm. to see come to fruition. They're against all the teams around them, and those are the teams, in theory, they're more likely to pick up the points against. It's just whether they can actually go and do it and whether they've got enough time to turn this round, because now 12 games left in the season, you're suddenly looking at the split Mm -hmm. and thinking it's here. And... John Hughes has made an impact, but is it going to be enough of an impact in enough time to save them? 12 games is enough time. Um, Just uh, getting the consistency, that's going to be the main thing for John Hughes. I mean, I I was so impressed with the way they played against Aberdeen. I thought they really turned a corner after that. Was it maybe unfortunate they played Rangers afterwards? Um, I keep speaking about a free hit, but for any team to concede five goals, regardless of who you're facing is always going to be a bit of a blow. Um, And maybe it did have an effect on their confidence on Wednesday night. But it is Hamilton next. And then it is Dungeon United, who are also lacking in confidence at the moment. So the fixture list, it's good for Ross County. It's just a matter of actually getting those wins and uh, getting out of the relegation zone. They've done it. They did it when they beat Aberdeen 4-1. They just have to go and do it again. Before the Aberdeen game, I did say I would be surprised if Ross County finished above 11th. Um, And it would be maybe good for Ross County if they did finish 11th, um, given the way they played this season. So hopefully it's not going back to that mindset where the target is at least a relegation playoff rather than bottom of the table. Because I did think Ross County and Hamilton were maybe a bit below the rest of the league. But you never know. Given the way Ross County are playing this season, they'll probably beat Celtic again. And... <laughs> you never know. You genuinely don't know. That's the crazy thing about this season. Um, it just goes to show as well, like you say, before the Aberdeen game, you were saying the playoffs probably the best they can hope for. After the Aberdeen game, you were saying 
they could stay up, you know, <laughs> they can they could do whatever. They might not be in a relegation fight anymore. And now it literally changes week to week with the amount of games that are coming in quick succession and how close this table is. I mean, they played such good football. That was the thing against uh, Aberdeen. Uh, they just ripped the defence apart. Uh, Harry Payton linking up well of Ollie Shaw and Reagan Charles Cook, fantastic on the wing, along with Jermaine Hilton, who had a great performance too. But it just didn't sound like that kind of fair on offer on Wednesday night. No, it really wasn't. But there has been some positivity in Dingwall this week. There's been a couple of new signings. Uh, Joe Hilton arrived on loan on Wednesday, just before the Motherwell game from Blackburn Rovers. And just yesterday, it was confirmed that Jordan White is now a staggy, former Cali Thistle striker coming in. What do you think? Good move for County and for White? Surprising move. Um, not about his ability, but the fact that he didn't stay at Motherwell that long. Um, but I think he signed the deal in June. Is that right? Yeah, it was last summer. And uh, I know he didn't get much of a chance to prove himself at Motherwell, but he obviously found himself out of favour. But Jordan White, he was Cali Fissel's top goal scorer for two seasons running, if I remember right. I think he scored yeah. 16 goals in his first season. I think it was 10 before the season was ended prematurely during the last campaign. So he certainly earned a good reputation in the Highlands and um, a lot of people thought, yeah, he definitely deserved his move to the Premiership. Didn't work out at Mullerwell, obviously. I don't know if the change of manager helped him there, to be fair. No, that's a point as well. But uh, John Hughes obviously sees something in him and he thinks not only that, he'll be good for the other players in the squad. Could help improve Ollie Shaw's game, perhaps Billy Mackay. Uh, Ross Stewart, Jane Ross Stewart's a similar player to Jordan White, apart from the height. You know, I really don't. I was pondering this earlier on because, you know, like you say, John Hughes has, has said a little bit about how White might be able to help some of the other people in the Ross County team. And I can play a clip of that in a minute. But mm. White, I think, it certainly is Cali Thistle days, which is where I think both of us saw the most of him in his career. He was a target man. He was very much somebody who would go and hold the ball up, bring others into play, be a nuisance at set pieces, you know, try and bully, for lack of a better term, opposition defences. Stewart, maybe because a lot of the time he started out wide, is more of a busy player, I think. Um, Maybe got a bit more ability with the ball at his feet rather than just throwing his body about and being disruptive. And that's no disrespect to Jordan White whatsoever, you know, that sort of striker can be some of the best in the country we've seen that time and time again but it would be quite easy I think to look at the two of them and say they're going to play the same sort of role in this team it's going to be interesting to see how they play together because I really don't think they will be doing the same job whether it ends up being the two of them up top together or whether they need someone like a Billy Mackay or an Ollie Shaw to be a little bit of a foil for them that remains to be seen it, it remains to be seen whether Ross Stewart's even going to stay at the club for the rest of this transfer window. Um, but I'm sure that's a discussion for another time. Um, let's hear what John Hughes had to say about Jordan White and, and what he could potentially bring to the team. You know, he's one that we've identified, Jordan. I've seen, a, I've seen an awful lot of him. He's got his attributes, he's got his flaws, but I think his attributes helps guys like Ollie Shaw and Bully Mackay and other guys come right into the game. Um, you know, and we need that physical presence up there because we're asking Ollie Shaw to play a sort of up front, you know, physical role and it's not his game, it's not Billy Mackay's game. So we know we need we need everything. We need 
everything at our disposal for now to the end of the season. And I'm quite sure Bully Mackay and Ollie Shaw have got a massive, massive part to play uh, in getting us the goals to keep us in the league. It's interesting because he never mentioned goal scoring for Jordan White. And like you say, he didn't have that much of a chance at Motherwell, but he didn't score for Motherwell this season. Mm. So it does sound like it's more of a tactical thing that White is going to be used to get the best out of the team as a whole rather than being the main goal scoring threat in this county team. But he was a goal scoring threat at Inverness and he certainly proved himself at championship level. And maybe he has now has to prove that he can score goals at the Premiership. There's no reason why he can't, I think. He is a good striker, and I think Cali Fissel miss him now. I think Cali Fissel might be in a better position if Jordan White was still there, but it was his choice to leave. Um, he has a point to prove in the Premiership. And, you know, I, I said previously Ross County needed a striker. Hopefully he's the answer. Mind you, that was before Ollie Shaw started scoring goals. Yeah, you wrote him off just before he hit farm again. <laughs> just to prove you wrong, Will. <laughs> Uh, maybe I should start writing him off again and uh, hopefully he'll score a few more goals but no, I think Jordan White has the potential to be a really good signing um, but he does have a point to prove in the Premiership, he's done it in the Championship but this is top flight football and uh, hopefully he'll deliver the goods for the Stoggies. I just want to touch briefly as well on the other signing this week, Joe Hilton because I haven't seen the goals back from Wednesday night, but the first one from my vantage point certainly seemed to be a Laidlaw mistake. Um, and that wouldn't be the first time that's happened this season. He's had some good games. He's had some really good games. But is Hilton going to be the guy to have the gloves for the rest of the season, do you think? I don't think either of us really know too much about him at the minute. I was quite surprised that even for Ross Doohan went back to Celtic, uh, Ross Monroe wasn't given a chance as number two. Ross, didn't, Ross Laidlaw, sorry, they're both Rosses. I'm going to have to mention their surnames now. Ross Laidlaw, I know he didn't... Careful, I might think you're talking about Logan Ross. <laughs> they didn't have... Well, Ross Laidlaw didn't have the greatest of times um, during the first half of the campaign. But I keep going back to the Aberdeen game as the shining light. He was fantastic uh, during that match. When Ross County were great for the first 20 minutes in that Aberdeen match, but... The Dons came back strongly during the second quarter before halftime. And uh, Laidlaw had to pull off some fantastic saves um, to keep the goal goalless. And it was only a deflected own goal, um, which cost him a clean sheet just before halftime. So after that, he earned the number one shirt. But obviously, John Hughes thinks, or maybe not convinced that he's maybe not the stick on number one, and is looking for a new goalkeeper. Joe Hilton, I know very little apart from what's been sent in the press releases from Ross County, to be honest. But Ross Munro, I was quite disappointed that maybe he wasn't given the chance because I saw him a few times when Ross County were in the championship, played all the Challenge Cup matches, and I thought, for a teenager, was a very good goalkeeper. I would have liked him to have maybe got the number two shirt. Who was he on loan to again? Was it uh... Wraith? He got promoted with Wraith last season. Yeah, he helped the Wraith Rovers win League One. So I think Ross Munro earned a chance to challenge Ross Laidlaw for the number one shirt. So I'm kind of disappointed for her. Yeah, I know Hughes has talked a lot about competition for places, and it's something that Kettlewell talked a lot about before, but I think there's a difference between competition and uncertainty. And I'm not sure that helps Ross County defensively when they don't know who the standout number one goalkeeper is because... Last season, we saw him swap places with Nathan Baxter throughout the season. 
this year Ross Duan had a run in the team as well and now there's a new keeper coming in that could end up playing the same sort of role. Personally, I just get the feeling that they just need to establish a number one goalkeeper and just stick with them and that might help their confidence levels as well and help them play better, whether that's Laidlaw or whether that's someone else. They just kind of need to commit and go with it. I can't think of this, that situation at any other Premiership club, to be honest, where like there's not a stick on number one. Yeah. That pills on the pressure. I know as a footballer, I think John Hughes said it himself, if you don't like pressure, you shouldn't be involved in football. But, you know, I think giving someone reassurance that they're, they are the first team choice, unless they're playing very badly, um, doesn't help at all. And I don't think the amount of goals Ross County have conceded have all been the fault of Ross Laidlaw. No. You can only work with what's in front of you. I feel like it would help the unit if they had that sort of confidence. I understand rotation and keeping players fit and freshening things up, but the one area you don't really want to do that with is your keeper and probably your two or three centre-backs, depending on what formation you're playing. And we've seen changes all across the team for County over this season. Even the last few weeks, Cole Donaldson isn't in the first team picture anymore in the starting eleven. And, you know, you could argue that's the right call, but you don't want to be chopping and changing your back line all the time. That that can't be a good thing. It can't bode well going forward, surely. What did you make of Leo Hielde um, that took uh, Donaldson's place? Well, he, he took Donaldson's place at Rangers when they played a back five, but he was at left back on Wednesday night against Motherwell. Mm. So it looks like he might actually fill Josh Reed's boots. As we record this, we're expecting him to go, um, but it hasn't quite been confirmed yet to Coventry. You never know, Kent, you might even still be in the market for another left-back. Shelda is 17, he looks confident on the ball, but I think he's still clearly got a lot to learn. And Kenny's a good place for him to do that, but whether that's what County needs when they're battling relegation, I'm not as sure. Hopefully he'll prove me wrong and go on and be a standout, but I don't know. Yeah. Remains to be seen. We'll, we'll have to see where this one goes over the next few weeks. Let's move on, though, to, to Cali Thistle, because... They finally got to play their first match of 2021. 29 days without a game. 29. Yeah. And what a start it was. Morton took the lead after three minutes. Cali Fissel leveled within 60 seconds. Took the lead after 15 minutes. And Morton had a man sent off after half an hour. And uh, you would have put your money on Cali Fissel picking up a win. Because um, they played good football in the first half. But the second half, unfortunately, they just took their foot off the pedal and allowed Morton to get back into the game. To be fair, Morton deserved a equaliser. I mean, they had chances before that, but you couldn't really begrudge on the point. Cali Fissel didn't really kickstart until after the equaliser. They had chances, but they never really... Well, well no, that's, that's unfair. They did have one or two shots on goal, but uh, John Robertson was... Well, he, his exact words were annoyed at full time. Um, you could tell he was visibly angry with how his team performed. And blasted them as soft, saying uh, they're just conceding too many goals. I think it's 14 goals in 10 games they've conceded, but and they've still got a goal difference of plus three, which means that their attackers are helping them out a bit, but not happy with their defensive performance last night at all. Yeah, it was a stat that I found, I think it was last week when I was uh, preparing for the Halloween game. I might even have mentioned this on the podcast last week. They've scored in every single game going back to the opening day of the championship. So, and years gone by, we've maybe said they're creating a load of chances and not managing to finish them. But that doesn't seem to be the case this year. It's the other end of the park. 
And as you said, he didn't exactly hold back when talking about his defence when talking to the media yesterday. In the last two away matches, we've thrown away winning positions. And, you know, if you want to be challenging at the top, you can't do that. And that's what we emphasised to the players after the game last night, that they have to become more ruthless. We're a nice team. We're a really nice team. But at times, I wonder if we're too nice. Um, because we've not got that ruthless streak in us at the moment. Football players want to play football. Um, and we hadn't played for nearly a month. Um, and players just made, on the night, I wouldn't say silly decisions. They just made the wrong decisions at times. When they pass the ball short, when they go in behind, when they go wide, uh, when they shoot. You know, we put balls in great areas and nobody got an end of it. We put some great set plays in, nobody got an end of it. And, you know, is that down to a lack of game time? It's an easy excuse. I would say no, because we, we practice these things, we work on them, and that's why we do it. So, as I say, I just think that it was a, an opportunity where we just took our eye off the ball. And if you look at the, the matches, we were in a winning position against Dundee and we lost a late goal. We were in a winning position against Arlo, we lose the game. We, you know, we got an equalised against them, Fairman, and had opportunities to go ahead and take them. And then last night was the same. So, that's just something that can make a huge, huge difference. As I say, you look at those matches in particular, and you could be picking up anything between five and nine points extra. And that's what we emphasise to the players on why we keep going on about being clinical, being professional and, and cutting out the mistakes. And yeah, we've said before, we're a, we're a young side um, and we won't make mistakes. But at the moment, we're, we're getting penalised uh, by opposition for individual errors. And that's what we've got to try and do is, is try and cut out the individual errors at the back and we put more emphasis on the lads up front to score goals. They've got to take the chances when they come along. I will admit, I and I'm sure a lot of other people, when they saw that Cali Thistle had conceded three minutes into their first match of 29 days, thought they were rusty and thought it would take them a while to get going. But they really showed that wasn't the case, and that can't be used as an excuse, can it? I'm just wondering if it's a case when a team falls behind, it's when they actually spring into gear. Because um, that was the case at Capi Lowe on Wednesday night. You know, it was 60 seconds they, they levelled after going behind. It was great football to watch. Um, James Vincent and Shane Sutherland uh, during the first period are linked up really well. And for the, the goal um, that gave Califas a lead, Daniel Mackay, great to see him back in action as well, um, was so alert to Aaron Doran's long ball and uh, you know got the better for the defence. Great awareness. But is it just a case of they take the lead, they think a one-goal uh, lead is enough, and then they just take their foot off the pedal there was a bit of that when I was at Capi Lowe on Wednesday night, to be honest. You'd think with a man advantage, you should be able to see the game out. Um, I think that clip you gave was from the press conference held on Thursday. Mm -hmm. I interviewed John on Wednesday night and he said, when you're down to 10 men, you've got to work even harder. You've got to make the opposition um, spread out, out more and that's how you take your chances and kill off the game. But it, it was just a bit reluctant to actually do that on Wednesday night. And that, that's why I think Robo was just so disappointed with the outcome. Because now the top four are now starting to get away from them a wee bit. Wee bit. They've got games in hand. Maybe three games in hand and some of the teams above them. Yep. But now it's five games in 14 days now, isn't it? And uh, they've got to make them count because they're not far away from the bottom two either. No. And that's kind of the scary thing, I suppose, from the minute. I mean... Robbo said last week, and I think he reiterated that again yesterday, you know, games in hand don't matter unless you win them. Um, but one of the other things that he did touch on that 
I want to get your thoughts on, Will. Is it just the youthfulness of this Cali Thistle side? And we both said in the past we quite like how the squad is shaping up, but they are young. They do need more time to develop and, and get those street smarts, I suppose. Is that the reason why they maybe do become a bit complacent when they go ahead in matches or, or why the foot does come off the pedal a little bit? But I've seen games this season where you look at them and you think they have come of age. Um Roddy McGregor was fantastic against Queen of the South down in Dumfries back in December, as was Carmen Harper. Daniel Mackay at the start of the season, I thought, did a great job as well. They've got it in them. It's it's just a case of confidence, I suppose. It's an interesting one because there's not an obvious solution that you can point to and go, well, that's the reason for this. That's what we have to fix. Mm. Um, I've just kind of thrown that out there because I, I don't like throwing the young players under the bus at all. That's that's not what I'm trying to do at all. But it's kind of one of the more obvious questions. But like you say, they've been some of the best players for Cali this season as well. So is it just a consistency thing? Teenagers are always a little bit inconsistent. And if they're not, they're killing Mbappe. Um, you know, <laughs> you're laughing at that, but it's true. You know, even teenagers at the top of the English Premier League are inconsistent and have weeks where they're just not on it. And Calithus have a lot of those guys in their squad. Maybe maybe that's just to be expected sometimes. I don't know. I'm just wondering if they're still lamenting the loss of Kai Kennedy, who was arguably their best player and just struggling to replace him at the moment. Uh, he's, he's now at Rafe Rovers, um, who got a fantastic win at Hearts, and he was named as man of the match. And anyone who's seen him play this season would not have been surprised to hear that he was the man of the match. Um, I know Rafe Rovers then got a 4-0 doing by Hearts on uh, Tuesday night, but Kennedy's a hard act to replace. And I, I don't know if Cali Fissel are going to replace him at all or just stick with what they've got at the moment, just due to the current situation. I know John says he's maybe looking to bring in a, a few players, but we don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, he's, he's been quite cautious, I think, about committing to any sort of target Um not in terms of actually going and getting the deal done, but in telling it to the press. Mm. <laughs> He's always been very much, you know, if we don't get anybody in, we're happy with that. Um, whether that actually is going to be the case, there's only a few days left of the transfer window, but I think the, the loan window's into next month as well, isn't it? Yeah, the loan um, window is at least till February, off the top of my head. I don't know when exactly it ends, but they can loan players in February. And I think that's going to be their best option, just to take players on loan. Hearing a few rumours on social media, um, don't know if it's true or not that Billy Mackay was maybe a target for Cali Fissel. Don't know if that's true or not. Club won't confirm. Simply just speculation on social media. Um, I was told if Ross County did uh, get Jordan White, Billy Mackay might be a potential move to Cali Fissel. But neither club has confirmed that. No, that's maybe one to keep an eye on over the next few days. Um, but you mentioned, well, the game where Roddy McGregor and Cameron Harper and, and Kai Kennedy as well, must be said, starred down in Dumfries against Queen of the South. They're up north tomorrow afternoon. Hopefully, there's a little bit of doubt just because of the weather forecast about whether that game will actually go ahead. But as, as it stands, it's going to be Kai Thistle versus Queen of the South. I'm actually going to be down for that one. I haven't seen Queen's yet this season. What do you think I'm in for? They were struggling at the start of the campaign, although they have picked up some good results uh, recently. Uh, they won at the weekend against Morton 2-1. Stephen Dobby, he's been the stalwart for Queen of the South for a number of years now. 
against Cali Fissel in December, I thought maybe time is catching up on him a wee bit, to be honest. He wasn't maybe the striker that we all admired in the past. And uh, Queen of the South, they're maybe going for a younger approach now. But they are they have improved and now they are above Inverness Cali Fissel on the table. So you know, it's it's going to be one to watch. 3-0 didn't flatter Cali Fissel uh, in December. They were more than worth that, but Queen of the South have obviously improved, so that's something they're going to have to watch out for. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Dobby, though, because even the last few years, I don't think he's scored against Cali Thistle. If he has, it's only one or two. They just seem to be a bit of a bogey team for him specifically. Uh, even when he's gone and scored 30, 40 goals a season, Cali Thistle's tended to get away without conceding to him. So, I, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those quirks of football. <laughs> but like you say, they're going for a slightly younger approach. They've got, is it Maputo in on loan from Rangers, who's quite highly rated? I'm going to be looking forward to seeing him. Like I said, they are going for a younger approach now, and Robertson said in his press conference that he was well aware of that. But um, he was still full of compliments for Stephen Dobby, what he did during his career. Whether he's going to be an impact player from now on, I don't know. Um, but it never leaves you, does it? No, no, it's- Former's temporary class is permanent, even if the bones are aging a little bit. Yes, and he's a, and Stephen Dobby. There can't be many players that actually have a statue outside their own ground while they're playing. While they're playing, yeah, it's crazy. Just need to see if one of Cali Thistle's players can write themselves into the record books like that. I don't know, Adam Doran. He's been there for a long time. You never know. You never know. Okay, let's move on again a little bit now. Just briefly, there was a little bit of an update from the Highland League. We talked about it uh, in in depth in our first episode, a little bit of an update last week. Uh, The league secretary, Rod Houston, has said that he's confident that the season will finish, which is encouraging. Still a bit of a question mark, really, at the minute of when and how they're going to be able to finish the campaign, but a little bit of light at the end of the summer, hopefully that they are planning on doing that. They say they can extend the season until the end of May and they would have no problem in doing that. But like Rod said to me, the tricky part is going to be the, the League 2 playoffs. Mm-hmm. How are they going to fit in finishing the season and combining whoever finishes bottom of League 2? Because that was such a major talking point um, at the end of the last campaign. Uh, Brewer Rangers and Kelly Hearts, in my opinion, wrongly denied a chance of promotion. I would, I would have given them automatic promotion but they didn't even even get the chance of a playoff. So that is something that they'll be determined to work in, however they decide to finish the season, if they're not going to null and void it. I've said that I couldn't see how the season could be finished, but that was in mind with them actually fitting in before the League 2 playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod said they have no problem extending the season. So obviously they're confident that the Highland League can't finish. I don't, there's not even word of when League 1 and League 2 has got to restart yet. I know they've set a proposal in for the SFA. Everything's so up in the air at the moment. Yeah. Obviously, I would love to see the Highland League finish. Rod's confident that it will finish, but there's just a lack of clarity at the moment. One thing there is a little bit of clarity on going away from football, there is an Inverness boxer who's just turned professional. Jake McDonald from Highland Boxing Academy just signed with Kinnick Boxing Scotland. It's, this is a great wee story, isn't it? Just to have another pro up from the Highlands. Exactly, yeah. It's fantastic to see. Um, the, the jump between amateur boxing and professional boxing is huge. Um, and I think he's been guided by no better um, example to follow than Gary Cornish. Mm-hmm. 
um, who is an ambassador with Kynic Box, and I believe that's the correct title, is that right, ambassador? Yeah, yep. he is. Apparently putting a bit of a good word for Jake as well. That, that's part of his job. He's got to find out to some of the top talent across the north of Scotland, uh, and obviously working alongside uh, Liam Foy, who has done fantastic work at the Highland Boxing Academy, and, you know, Given athletes the chance at amateur level um, to reach heights they never thought they would. But it's just great to see someone that's done so well at amateur boxing say, right, you know what, I fancy going professional. Let's have a go and see where it takes me. Yeah, it's great for Highland Boxing Academy as well. I chatted to Liam a little bit earlier on this week and he was telling me it's coming up for 10 years since the club started. And part of the reason that Jake McDonald turning professional is, is so special is because he's been there since the very start. What's so special about it as well is the fact that Jake has been at the club, you know, since day one. He was uh, he put us on the map when we were a club starting off. Um, you know, he's won various versions of the Scottish title, but notably the Scottish Open twice. Mm-hmm. He's won every title that there is to win in Scotland. He's won novices intermediate Scottish Open in Northern District, which is a quartet. You know, it's like there's no other titles in Scotland. But what's extra special about it is every single bout and every single uh, title and everything that he's done, you know, he's done from, you know, a kid just walking in through the door at the club. And this is where we're at just now with him, his journey. He joined the club as, I don't even know if he was a teenager. He's in his early 20s now, so if that's going back 10 years. He could have been 12, 13. And he's been with Liam the whole way now, turning pro. One thing that Liam did tell me was that he's always trained like he's a pro, basically. He's always had that commitment. He's always done the extra work that needs to be put in. So, yes, high hopes from him. You obviously never know what can happen in boxing. It can only be one punch and you lose a fight. But Sky could potentially be the limit if he's got that sort of dedication to his craft. And the thing about Liam Foy, he's, he's probably the right guy to help guide him as well uh, on his career. The thing about anyone that's met Liam, he's got a story like that for every single one of these boxers. He really cares about his athletes reaching their full potential, um, whether it's at senior level, junior level, boys, girls, whatever. Liam wants to help you reach the top. Um, and it's fantastic to see that, not, not just Inverness, the Highlands, I suppose, because it, it shouldn't be forgotten that Liam's helped boxers from across the Highlands achieve success at Scottish level and British level as well. So it's, it's, just, it's just a great story and we wish him well and hopefully we'll get a good few stories out of him. I think they're hoping at the minute for him to make his pro debut in April or May. With all the restrictions going on at the minute, we, it's another one, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. It could end up being a, an online streaming show as opposed to somewhere with fans. But, you know, like you say, it's a great story and, and fingers crossed he does well. We'll all be keeping an eye out for him. I say there's a little bit of uncertainty about exactly when and what his debut will look like. There's maybe a little bit of uncertainty about the ETAP Loch Ness, Will. Uh, we saw this week that that was getting delayed. Um, mm-hmm. There is a new date for it, but I suppose that's still all subject to what sort of restrictions we're in as well, isn't it? Yeah, delayed till August the 22nd. Um, and hopefully it can go ahead because we, we don't want a year like 2020. Um, <laughs> It's already got off to a bad start with a number of events already being cancelled for the right reasons. For the right reasons. Uh, we're speaking about the Straff Puffer, uh, the 24-hour cycling endurance race at Straff Puffer. And then my personal favourite, the Snowman Rally, got cancelled in March as well. And 
personally, I was really disappointed to hear that. Um, but for the right reasons, we've got to try and keep this virus un under control. Um, but the vaccine's been dished out, being in August. Hopefully, they will be in a position to stage the event. Uh, last year, there was a record number of people that took part, 5,600 cyclists. I doubt it'll reach that number this year. But if, they're ma if they manage to hold it, fantastic. Um, because it's the kind of event that boosts the economy as well. And goodness knows the economy needs to be boosted at the moment. <laughs> if they got the quarter of the number of participants from 2019 taking part, that would be a success because we don't want a 2020 again, do we? No, no we definitely don't. And like you say, it's one of those events. There aren't too many things like this around. So it, it's great that Inverness can host something like the ETAP and, and be a bit of a hub for cyclists all over the country. Like you say, whether they're actually going to be able to travel up and take part this year remains to be seen. But um, fingers crossed, like you say, can go ahead in, in some form or another because it is an important event. Yeah. How much did we miss events like that last year? Things like the ETAP and the Loch Ness Marathon was one as well. You know, yeah. it, Inverness just wasn't the same place without these events. Um, even the, the, the Shinty and the McTavish Cup final, you know, even the Kamenok Cup semi-finals that take place here sometimes. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, there was just something missing about the city last year and it's because those sporting events were missing. So just fingers crossed they can come back. It'll be smaller events compared to what it was for this year at least, but you know, it would just be good to see them back. Well, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show, Will. Is there any other story that you've had your eye on from the papers this week that you want to point people towards to go and read? Just just buy a copy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just quickly mention uh, our colleagues further north uh, up at the John O'Groat Journal. Uh, Alan Hendry was talking to the Wick striker, Craig Gunn, about what the future might look like once fans are allowed back into grounds. And that was quite an interesting read. And along the road, the other direction at the Northern Scott, Johnny Clark, who is our guest on the first episode, and Craig Christie have been talking to Elgin City boss Gavin Price about uh, a few different things as well. So we're talking about a lot of stuff here by our papers, but go and buy theirs as well, because there's some crack and stuff in the other Highland News and media titles. Some fantastic journalists that used to work for the John O'Groat Journal. Really good. Do you know any? Yeah, there's one in particular. What a guy. <laughs> I'm sure you have plenty of stories about that one. Yeah, good times. Keithness is a great place. Go, go up there just to buy the paper itself and then come back down. It's fantastic. That's essential travel, isn't it? No, I, I think buying the John O'Groat Journal is essential travel. There you go. You've heard it here first. If you do it and get having issues with the police, direct them Will's way. Yep. Simple as. Uh, for the time being, we are on Twitter uh, at balls underscore whistles. So get in touch with us. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know if there's any questions you want us to answer or any discussion points you want us to cover. We're going to try and be quite interactive on that account. So that is where you can get in touch with us for anything podcast related. For the time being, Will, I think that's us. It is. Got any plans for the weekend? Well, hopefully I'm going to be at Cali Thistle, Queen of the South. So just need to see if that actually goes ahead. What about you? I've got the weekend off, Endo. That's all right for some. Nah. Definitely not bitter at all.
Yeah. <laughs> well, you go and enjoy your couple of days off. Well, oh. everybody else listening to this, enjoy your weekend too. We'll be back next Friday with another edition of Balls and Whistles. Buy a paper and see you next time. Bye.